All right, before I get to my next guest, John Patrick, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at the Ben Hogan Golf Company. At Ben Hogan Golf, they manufacture some of the finest golf equipment in the world in their small factory in Fort Worth, Texas. That's because they build each club by hand using the same process Mr. Hogan created when he started his company 65 years ago. They call it micromanufacturing, so no mass production, no shortcuts, Visit them online at BenHoganGolf.com to learn more about their tour quality products and factory direct prices. also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret the pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with 4 additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play Plus 4 and release the secret the pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet, the winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence, grip golf pride. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back with me is the host of the Augusta Golf Show, John Patrick. You can check out John's show at AugustaGolfShow.com. He's been covering the Masters for about 35 years. I would venture to say that no one knows the tournament, the course, and its impact on golf history better than John does. I was fortunate to get to spend some time with him earlier this year, and I'm very excited to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, John, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me back. Chris, how are you? I'm fantastic, John. How's Masters Week treating you? Uh, different. It's um, weird having it at this time of the year. I, I didn't think it would feel as weird as it does. Um, I thought, you know, I, I thought April was, was odd, and I thought, well, it'll be fine when we get to Masters Week. But it's just, yeah, and now here's the odd thing. You know, I'm sitting out on my porch tonight talking to you, and it feels like an April evening. We've got a shower. Little breezy. We're in the maybe 60s, low 70s. Uh, it feels like April, and it's kind of going to feel like April, you know, for the rest of the week. A little wet, but but warmer than than all of the pundits had said. I I said for for a long time that uh, November is my favorite month to play in this town. It's just spectacular, and 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 everybody was like, oh, what's it going to be like in the 50s or 60s? There's a pretty good chance it's going to be in the 70s, and and it it might be darn near 80, but unfortunately, it's it's also going to be wet the next few days. And, and John, speaking of the town, I, I'm I'm sort of curious what what's the vibe around town? I I, I got to imagine to Augustans, it's got to feel like the Super Bowl's in your town and nobody came. Yeah, I mean, there's no vibe. I drove I drove past the national. Yesterday afternoon, I in, in, in being there about two-ish, and there's nobody. I mean, it's it's like driving down Washington Road on November 10th of, of any year. It's uh, you know every we know it's here. It's it's a really strange situation. Guys are playing their practice rounds. Nobody's there to watch them, and you know we're kind of immune, Chris, to to uh, having folks in town, you know, of some note playing the national. But but we don't know it. We hear it afterwards. We hear that you know so and so was in town, or this 
world leader came into play or this member of royalty or this member of Hollywood royalty was in last week. But we know, you know, everybody knows they're on the golf course playing their practice rounds. Just nobody gets to go out there and see them. They've, uh, there are no ropes. Uh, they've painted, they've kind of painted the ground green where the ropes would be. You, uh, for those, for those lucky to be there, you, you have access to certain things you don't normally have access to. You get kind of closer than you would normally get. Uh, but, but we all know it's, you know, we hope our fingers are crossed. It's a, it's a one-off situation. I got my doubts about that, but we hope it's a one-off situation. So what's the economic impact? I got to believe it's huge, you know, for the town, but right? I mean, it was bad in April. Now you, you come to November and you get to have the tournament, but the economic impact of not having, you know, everybody there. I mean, I'm used to, you know, being there and you can't get off, you know, at the exit of Washington Road. There's a sea of people everywhere. You know, restaurants are jammed. That's all got to be, you know, huge for the, for the folks in the town, the, the loss of the revenue. Well, that, and that was April. You know, we, we, we absorbed the loss in April. Once we got to May and before they announced that the tournament would happen, Everybody knew that if there would be a tournament, there probably wouldn't be patrons. Oh, let me let me do that a different way. Once the tournament was announced and they had not announced no that there wouldn't be patrons, you had a feeling there wouldn't be patrons. And the tour comes back without crowds. You had a feeling there wouldn't be a crowd. So so the economic impact was absorbed in May. This is this is nothing. I mean, we 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 absorbed it in May, April. We were never going to have it at at this time of the year. So it's it's incredibly normal in town this week. Uh, there are about four thousand people on the ground, but that's everybody. That's infrastructure. That's you know staff. That's that's everybody they need to put on a bare bones tournament. Still requires four thousand people, but but it, it, there's no impact whatsoever in town. And and as I said back then still somewhat applies now yes it feels different and odd and strange but we have larger issues than 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 nobody being at the masters so you're kind of still consumed with can you go into the restaurant and eat what about the mask what so there are you know we got bigger issues than that so it's it's hard to explain chris it, it, you know unless you're here 52 weeks out of the year it's it's a regular week just a November week in Augusta. John, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the tournament itself, starting with the great news that we heard this week about Lee Elder joining Jack Nicholas and Gary Player for the ceremonial tee shot next April. But I think that's a great statement by Augusta National at a time when we need an institution like that to help us unite and come, come together. I think that was a, a huge thing that Augusta National did, inviting Lee Elder to be a part of it. Well, you know, for as long as I've been here, Chris, I've been a show for the place. Uh, they're a great neighbor. They're a great community neighbor. And they showed it again on Monday. There are people that, you know, naysayers in this town that they're, they're elitist and they're, you know, they, they should have a tire hack, tire, higher tax base and, and, and people that just don't like everything they stand for. But you got to look at what they've been able to do, not only through having a golf tournament, and to your point, the economic impact, the $100 million a year economic impact, but especially over the last 10 years, they've been this kind of neighbor. 
this kind of neighbor. They give, uh, they give millions to a community fund here in town that allocates the money out. They, they, all of their employees are given a stipend to give to the, you know, nonprofit of their choice. And then they do things like this. That's a, you know, that's a golf scholarship for a historically black university in town, men's program. And they'll fund, they'll create the women's program and then give a scholarship there. That, you know, we talked on, on the morning show Monday as, as we knew that Chairman Ridley was going to have an announcement. And we speculated what the announcement might be. And you just can't. You just can't. That, that never, the, the, the Lee Elder rumors had been bubbling that maybe that would be something they ought to do. You know, have Lee on the first tee. It would be a, a, a wonderful gesture. But the scholarship and the creation of the women's pro, you just can't even predict what they're going to do. They just constantly amaze and surprise this community, let alone the golf community, let alone, you know, uh, golf around the world. They just constantly amaze and surprise community. And that's the public stuff. They're, they're, they're pretty active behind the scenes in some things that have to get done here. And you never really, you know, it's never really said that it's them, but you know it's them because they're the only organization that could surreptitiously, you know, give half a million or a million dollars to some sort of need here in town. So to that point, John, talk about how the Augusta National Club has grown the game. I and mean, we've seen the women's amateur event there now. We see a lot of the things, to your point, that they are doing behind the scenes. We talk, we don't, don't talk enough about what they've done for the game internationally. Talk about the impact that they've had on the game as a whole. You know, what, what has amazed me about that is how subtly they've gone about it. How, not necessarily quietly, but they haven't gone about it with an awful lot of flash. They, you know, creating the Asian Pacific amateur, creating the Latin America amateur, obviously you know, creating drive, chip, and putt. It, 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 here's, here's growing the amateur game around the world. And I don't think they're done with that, Chris. I, I think there'll be, at some point, some other section of the world that will get their, get their amateur golf tournament. Uh, what they've, and then, obviously, what they've done in the women's game. But it is, but it's always done respectful of the game and respectful of, the governing bodies of the game. A lot of talk. A lot of people on, on talk shows talk about, you know, will Augusta National be that spot that rolls back the golf ball? Will there be an Augusta National golf ball? There will never be an Augusta National golf ball because they realize their position in the game. They are an important aspect of the game. They do like the fact that when you talk about the governing bodies, you say the USGA, you say the RNA. And you bring up, you know, Augusta National and, the, and, and, and they like that, but they're very respectful of the fact that they are not a governing body. Uh, they're respectful of the governing body, but they do like having this seat at the table. And I think that was, that was one of Billy Payne's goals uh, during, during his uh, term as chairman to, to put the Augusta National in a spot uh, where they could be impactful on the game around the world. And, and, and I've said this. I mean, that, that's Billy's legacy. You know, he didn't really touch the golf course. He, he made the accoutrement around the golf course much better. But 
the Latin American amateur. It's the Asia Pacific amateur. You know, I, I, I would ask him all the time and he would graciously kind of shrug his shoulders. How happy, how happy would he have been to see Hideki Matsuyama win the Masters because Hideki Matsuyama won the first two Asia Pacific amateurs? How happy would he have been to have seen that happen, especially under his tenure? And he graciously, you know, any winner is great. But I think deep down inside, he would have really, really enjoyed seeing that. Um, it's, 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 it's the fact that they do it, in my mind, so quietly and so subtly that makes it so impactful. John, switching gears a little bit, I think we're all used to thinking that the Augusta National Club can do just about anything you know, in the world. They, they can make anything happen. I think some of us are expecting to see them uh, having made Azalea's bloom in November, but seeing the pictures and that sort of thing, that might be just a little bit outside of their realm of possibility. Talk about what the golf course is going to look like and how different it's going to look from what we're used to seeing in April. Well, I can tell you they can do a lot, but they can't do everything, although although they like the fact that people think they can do everything. They can't, and they don't want to. Golf course is beautiful this time of the year. I've had the opportunity times in November, and now I'm beginning to hear what, I've, what I thought when I saw it. The left side of 11 is spectacular with the hardwood. It's just beautiful. And, and now I'm, you know, you're beginning to see some photographs pop up with, with the left side of 11. It, um, it's going to play differently. It, you know, the rye is fresh. The rye is new. It's going to have a bit of a Bermuda base, which it doesn't have uh, in, in April. And, and, and it's, you're going to get some squirrely lies a little bit, uh, different lies. You're going to have to play some shots differently. But um, you know, the, the rain isn't helpful. The rain is not helpful. The schedule, the, the forecast is, is not helpful. We're, we're looking at about a half an inch to an inch tomorrow and, and maybe some of that on Thursday. So it's already wet. It's already wet. It's already long. You have to have it that way for the rye. I, I, frankly, Chris, as you and I are talking here on Wednesday, you know, I, on, on Tuesday night, I, I don't see them finishing Sunday. Yeah, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that, John. So to your point, when I look at the, at the forecast, right, we, rain tomorrow, rain Thursday, maybe some showers Friday morning, 60% chance of rain on Saturday, 40% on Sunday. And obviously uh, having to change, you know, the way that they, they start guys out because it gets darker earlier and that sort of thing. What yeah. are your expectations? Do you think we're we're going to get uh, some start, starts and stops, and then we leak into Monday, or could we even leak further into yeah. Tuesday? No, I don't think we leak into Tuesday, but they have no wiggle room. You know, they have very little wiggle room. Uh, a Thursday, to me, is the, is the day. If, if, if they can't get a lot of Thursday done, then, then we're looking at Monday. Um, I, 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 would expect, I would expect, you know, kind of finishing the second round on Saturday morning and, and then trying to get as much of Saturday. And, you know, they, we've, got this, we've got this self-imposed deadline on Sunday at like 2.33 2, 2, 2 o'clock. Well, that, that, that doesn't have to happen. You know, they do have a couple of extra hours. They can go to 5, 5.30. Uh, that's just a, that's just a acquiescing to NBC, to CBS and their, and their football. So they, they don't have to stop at that time. They're going to need all of the daylight they have in these four days. And, and as I said, Thursday to me, whether here in town, the, the, the forecast has gotten just a tad better for the weekend, but, but they're going to need 
all of Thursday and all of Friday. And I just don't think they're going to get a lot of Thursday. So, John, without patrons on the course, and uh, so folks won't be lining the fairways, they're not going to be framing the greens. What impact does the lack of patrons on the golf course itself have on the players? Well, you know, Rory has talked about that he, 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 he doesn't know if, you know, he needs that energy. He likes that energy. He wants that energy. We've seen in the 10 or 11 weeks that the tour has been back when, when, when grandstands aren't there, uh, balls go in places they've never gone before. We may get some of that because of, because of no grandstands. I, I, I think they're pretty well used to playing without fans. Uh, I think some guys are just having a harder time revving themselves up. Uh, you know, somebody was saying yesterday, they, I think it was Xander saying, you know, he feels sorry for the guys who are playing their first Masters this year. They don't get that full experience. Uh, I, I, I just think the no fan thing has, it doesn't bother the players as much as we like to, as we like to focus on it. So let's flip that a little bit without the fans, right? So we're not going to hear the roars on the back nine when someone makes an eagle or a birdie. We may hear it in our houses, right? That we may personally hear some things, you know, as we all root, but the players aren't going to hear it, right? So they're not going to know when, you know, a guy a few holes back, eagles 13 or 15 coming in. Does that open the door for some guys? Because the pressure will also not be there hearing that something is happened behind you it might it might but 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 the scoreboards that are always up will be up they will be functional they'll everybody will know where they stand like they always know where they stand and and you're right we won't have you know but that's a guessing game that's oh that sounds like tiger made eagle on you know 15 oh that's you know somebody birdieing 14 yeah but but still think because of the conditions because of the weather uh, you know, I kind of hate to say this. I, I think we'll be relegated to the big boys. I think we'll be relegated to, to the guys who are, you know, hitting it a long way. They all hit it a long way. But, uh, you know, we've heard you know, there's been some you know, what Bryson's been doing this week. Um, I, I think that's where we're going to be in this. I Of all of the majors, of all of the golf tournaments, this may be the one that you just can't get away from the guys who hit it so far. And to your point, I was talking to Tom Patry in the, in the last segment about some of the things that we are hearing about Bryson DeChambeau and, and his potential to, you know, overpower the golf course. I, I saw that he had played a round, a practice round with Sandy Lyle and Lyle saying that Bryson didn't hit anything greater than a seven iron, any longer than a seven iron into any of the holes, including the par fives and flew the green with a three wood on, on number three. Do you think that that's a, is that a risk? If he were to go out there and shoot some silly score, like break the course record on a Thursday, is there a reaction that the course can have, the superintendent can have, maybe shaving down some of the collars or something along those lines to make it a little bit harder? Now, I'm sure they don't want to no. see a Dustin Johnson-like score at the at the Northern Trust where DJ shot 30 under. No, I I I think, I think they and 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 the governing bodies look at Bryson as as an anonym, uh, 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 an anomaly. I think you know this is a guy that went out, bulked himself up, focused on and concentrating on this sort of thing, and he's and he's doing some just incredible things with that. But he's one guy. There's always been one guy, 
there was Jack, there was John Daly, there was Tiger. There's always been one guy. I still think the governing bodies are more concerned about the fact that someone the size of Rory McIlroy hits it almost just as far. Someone the size of Matthew Wolf at times drives it past him. I think that concerns them more than that outlier gone out there to accomplish that singular mission of doing that. Uh, I think that's one guy. It, it, it's when the whole game is doing that sort of thing that it catches somebody's attention. I don't think the club, I don't think the club will react somebody doing that. Uh, it's been interesting that there's been very little reaction like that in the last 10, 12 years. Obviously, we're all sitting back at some point waiting for Chairman Ridley to move the T on 13 back. But, right. but, but there hadn't been much of that at all. The Chairman Payne didn't touch the golf course. And, and so far, Chairman Ridley, you know, hasn't done much of that yet. So I, I, I think they're, they're cautiously looking at things. But I don't think Bryson in and of himself will, will, will cause them to react. Now, you know, one of the things Sandy didn't say, uh, I, maybe he didn't do this in, when he was playing with Sandy, but Bryson also, playing with Sandy, Bryson hit three wood off 13. Uh, Bryson on another round hit driver off 13 with the goal of getting it into 14 fairway and cutting the angle. And he can do that because there are no patrons. He can roll that ball into 14 fairway and cut the angle. Yeah, some of, I mean, some of that stuff's going to really be fun to watch. Yeah, and that's where I, I was asking TP this as well. I mean, when you think about a guy like Phil Mickelson, you know, we all hear, you know, Phil likes to, you know, bomb it off the tee, hit bomb, right? Well, about patrons, I mean, he can kind of put that ball just about anywhere and then still yep. have the opportunity with his short game and, and his creativity to, to come out of that. So does that favor someone like a Phil now not to have the patrons there and be able to hit the ball just about wherever he wants to? Maybe. I just, you know, I think we're, it's so easy for us to forget uh, with Phil. Phil's 50 years old. Not a whole lot of major champions at 50 years old. I think we, we, we got to remember that about Tiger, too. Tiger's 44 years old. It, it, the game catches up with you just for that reason alone, despite all that Phil's gone through and all that Tiger has gone through. But I will say this about Phil, and I used to always say this about Phil. Um, count on him, and he always lets you down. Don't count on him, and he always surprises you. John, just a couple more before I let you go. And you've been covering the event since the, the late 80s. I have to imagine over the course of all of those years, you've put together a couple of special pieces of memorabilia from the Masters that you've had an opportunity to cover. Talk about some of the things that, uh, that you've gotten from the tournament or as a, as a result of the tournament that you really treasure. You know, uh, a couple of, I'm not a big autograph collector. I've got um, maybe four. Uh, I, I, I've got Arnold's autograph. I've got Hogan's autograph. I, I've, I've got Jack's autograph. But, but the thing that I really kind of wanted was every year, Augusta National puts out what they call the annual. It's a leather-bound green book that synopsizes the tournament. And, and, and for the 2005 tournament, uh, I made it a point to uh, – it was Jack's last tournament, and until last year, it was the last tournament Tiger had won. So I made it a point to, to have Jack 
sign the page, you know, the, the photo that in the annual where it's his last tournament. And then the, the photo they had of Tiger chipping in on 16, Tiger signed that for me. I kind of like that. I'm, I, again, I'm not, a, I'm not a big memorabilia guy, but I think I've said this. I may have told you this story when I was on the show before, but my, my, my most treasured piece is uh, I've got one of the golf balls uh, from 1986 that uh, Jackie gave me that night. And I've, and I've framed it with a photograph of Jack and a scorecard. And, and, um, and so what, four years ago on the 30th anniversary, I, um, so I got the chance to talk to Jackie and, and I, and I came up to him and I said, uh, you know, I don't know that I would do this today. And I don't know that you would do this today, but back in 1986, I came up to you the evening of that final round and said, can I have a ball from the back? And Jackie said to me then, Please tell me I gave it to you. <laughs> you did, and 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 he said, "God, I thought it was going to be one of those stories where I didn't let you have a golf ball." But but he, I said, "You know, I've just always wondered. It's not that important to me, Jackie. I just I like having it." But you know, I I, I kind of wondered if your dad played with that ball during the round. He said, "Oh, I can I can tell you that he probably did." He said, "Does it have a couple of pencil marks next to the number?" And I said, "It does." He said, "Then he used it." Um, because dad had six golf balls in the bag, changed it every three holes. He said, I'll tell you, John, if he bogeyed 12 with it or eagled 15, but he did play with it. I said, that's all I need to know. You know, that's all I need to know. So that, you know, of, of the, and I don't have much stuff, honestly, but that one, I, I grew up idolizing Jack. And I never thought, I never thought I would be on the grounds in 86 when that happened. But, um, that that one that one that one's kind of special. He played with six golf balls in the bag. Isn't that something? Yeah. I mean that just yeah. that part of the story blows my mind just in in and of itself. Ah, well, you know, half David, dozen golf David balls. Graham, we'll just put those in the bag. David Graham told me once. You know they all kind of did that, and they all changed golf balls every three holes back in those days with the you know the a lot of golf balls and the and the persimmon woods. And David said to me, except John. For 12, we would change a golf ball on 10 tee, play number 10 and 11 with it, but we'd always put a fresh ball on the tee on 12 because we didn't want to hit an older golf ball on that tee shot. Ah, but they didn't. <laughs> John, before I let you go, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing. Listen to your show and then follow you on social media as well. Uh, the Twitter account is at Augusta Golf Show. Uh, the show is available on your on your home speaker. Um, any of your connected devices, if you have a home speaker, you just you ask it to enable Spreaker. I don't understand how all of this works, but you ask it to enable Spreaker. And once you do that, ask for the Augusta Golf Show, and boom, it pops up. Um, on the website, it's just the interviews. It's uh, it the show does not exist on the website. Just the the conversations that I have, but the show also exists in its entirety on the iHeartRadio app. It runs stations in the Southeast, but digitally, that, that's how people can hear it all around, the, all around the world. Well, John, it's always a thrill to have you as part of the show. You're, you're fantastic, my friend. I can't thank you enough for being generous with your time on uh, Masters Week and coming back and be a part of the show. I hope I get the privilege of catching up with you again soon. Anytime you need to do that, Chris, I, I am here for you. Um, I thank you. Thank you for asking. And, you know, people say this to me, and I 
And I want to say this to you. Thank you for what you do for the game of golf. Oh, well, I appreciate you very much, my friend. The same back to you. Wouldn't be the same. Masters, the Masters would not be the same without the voice of John Patrick. Not only the voice, but the knowledge that comes along with it. So thank you so much for being a part of the What's My Favorite Golf Tournament. Thank you, Chris. See you, John. That's a great John Patrick. AugustaGolfShow.com is the, is the site, and uh, I, I mean it sincerely, folks. Um, there's probably not a better golf show and a better talent leading that show than John Patrick. Uh, he is knowledgeable. He is fun. He is informative. And uh, he's a, a pleasure to listen to. Uh, you wrap all of that together, and you come out with a guy like John Patrick. He, uh, he's just simply the best. And uh, very honored that uh, I've got to have him on the show twice. And uh, I look forward to uh, the opportunity to have him back on again, I hope, sometime soon.